Earlier this year, I began a series on Sunday nights to discuss the relationship between pastor and church, which I entitled Pastor and Church. I work hard to come up with those series names. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Who said that? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Anyway, <clears throat> my goal is to look at what the Bible has to say about our responsibilities to each other. So Hebrews 13, last week, if you were here, we uh, just read three verses. We'll do so again tonight here in just a minute. But the, the roads were getting bad last Sunday night with the snowstorm that moved in, and so attendance was down. But I discussed my role as your pastor through the lens of Hebrews 13. And the good news is, all of our messages can be online. You can watch them all, if you so choose, on Facebook. Or you can go to our church website, and you can listen to the audio. Or you can go to our podcast and listen to the audio of the preaching. And I would encourage you to do that if you miss any sermons. We, we spend a lot of money on that technology, and it would be nice if you took advantage of it. So if you're not here, it's a good way to stay connected, stay plugged in even when you can't be here. Um, and I, I would tell you, those of you who are out of the sanctuary on Wednesday nights, I would encourage you to uh, take the time to listen to those. And especially those of you who leave those, I would, I would say more than encourage, I would expect you to stay up to date, know the heart of the church. And so take the time to do that if you would. Now, as we begin tonight, let's read verses 7, 17, and then we'll also read verse 24. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, beginning in verse 7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls, they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. And just for good measure, verse 24, salute all them that have the rule over you. And all the saints, they of Italy salute you. From these verses, we can easily see there are to be leaders and followers within a church body. Verse 7 clearly mentions rulers and followers. And verse 17, we read about the need for obedience and submission to those same rulers. And I realize just that in of itself is enough to stir up all kind of emotions within church members. Just hearing the words obey and submit will often cause people to rebel. And all I did was read the Bible. Amen. Perhaps you grew up always getting your way. You were never made to obey and submit, and now as an adult, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, perhaps you grew up never getting your way, and in a very harsh environment, you were made to obey and submit, and now you're so against authority, you refuse to submit to spiritual authority. I've seen both ends of the spectrum and everything in between, My parents made me obey and submit, and I'm glad they did, because they did so very lovingly and with a lot of encouragement, and I think that's very important. And parents, I would tell you, you would do well to teach your children to submit to authority, even if it's it's authority they don't like, and maybe as parents, if it's authority you don't like, 
as long as there's nothing illegal, immoral, or unethical taking place. I got to tell this again because it's on my mind and Brother Brock's sitting back there. Amen. So when we moved up here, we enrolled our kids in the academy and we were, we being Adrian, was homeschooling the children and so we enrolled them in the academy. It looked kind of odd to have your pastor say, enroll your kids in our school. Where do your kids go to school? Where are we homeschool? Um, so we enrolled our kids in the academy and, and we're so blessed that we did. But for the children, it was quite the transition. Going from... Pajamas, hot chocolate, yeah, we'll set this aside for just a minute and we'll come to an ACE rule-laden environment. And now all of a sudden, who does Mr. Brock think he is? And we had to tell our kids, he's your authority at school. And he, if he's not doing anything wrong, you need to learn to submit to that. And so teach your children that. I'm just, I don't know. So anyway, like I said, that's all within boundaries of common sense. What am I saying? For some, tonight may be a little controversial, but I trust the Holy Spirit will communicate to your spirit and put truths into your heart. So now we find in these verses a list of things mentioned which apply to leaders and followers within a church body. This is not all-inclusive. We can draw from a number of different passages from different scriptures, you know, and we can say that there's a lot more to this. But just staying with the text that we find here in verses 7 and 17, we see that there are five roles for a pastor and there are five roles for the congregation. Last week, we covered my responsibilities as the pastor, which are number one, to rule over, number two, speak the word, number three, to live by faith, number four, to watch for your souls, and number five, to give an account. Now, unfortunately, we don't have time to go back and do a recap. I have a mouthful to say tonight, so if you missed it, please go back and listen to it. And listen, I say that because this is not a series I would have chosen to do. God has very definitely laid this upon my heart, and I know you'll be blessed if you'll take the time to listen to that which you missed. But I will say this tonight, though I don't have time for a recap. Being in the pastorate is a very heavy responsibility, and only those who are called to it should enter into its office, if you're going to do it right. It's, it's hard work, but it's very re- rewarding work, and I'm so grateful I get to serve this congregation. And I mean that. I am so grateful to be here I don't deserve this church. You are way too good for me, but I'm so glad that I get to serve in this church. And so I thank you for that privilege. Um, now, with that mushy stuff out of the way, let's talk about your responsibilities. Amen. There are five things we see here that you're responsible for as uh, members of this congregation. You are to remember, follow, consider, obey, and submit to the leadership in the church. So let's jump right in, because like I said, we've got a lot to cover. Number one, verse seven says, remember them which have the rule over you. And I would just put it this way. Remember your pastor. Remember. There's a lot to this word remember. There's many applications we could make when it comes to keeping your pastor in mind. But I can say, number one, that you can do this by praying for your pastor. Listen, living the life of a pastor is a spiritual battle that few will ever understand. It's not that you are, it's not that you don't care to understand. I'm not insinuating that whatsoever, but I can tell you that from my experience, you don't really know until you know. That's good, isn't it? Uh, and, and listen, I, I know, I thought I knew somewhat of, of what it meant when I sat out there, but 
I knew it was a spiritual battle, but man, I can tell you now, I didn't know how intense the battle really is. Now that I'm doing this, I can tell you unashamedly, I need your prayers. My family needs your prayers. Satan doesn't mess around when he goes to battle. He doesn't do battle like we're now doing as Americans. He goes for the head. You cut the head of the snake off, you win. That's what I'm going for when I kill a snake. Now, he can't defeat Jesus Christ who is the head of the church. Whoop. So he attacks downward. And, and listen, real quick, it's no different than in our homes. You understand he's after dad first. If he can't get dad, he wants mom. If he can't get mom, he wants the firstborn. If he can't get the firstborn, he's coming after the other kids. And it's relentless. He doesn't give up. Just when we weather one, we're right into another. And and he's after uh, leadership. And so he's coming after your pastor. He can't defeat our sacred head. He'll go for my wife. He'll go for my firstborn. And then he'll go for all my other children. You see, what Satan wants to do is he wants to destroy testimonies to get you to think, why are we following this guy? He, he wants my daughter to fall. So that you can say, see, I knew something was wrong. And he's planting thoughts in people's head that I'm not going to get into tonight. I think I need to bite my tongue. I'm praying about it. But he, he's, he's after, is what I'm saying. He, he's after people. He, he wants to destroy testimonies to get you to doubt the leadership God has put in place. And listen, for those of you who serve in this church, He's after you. So while you're praying for me, pray for all of those in our church. Our enemy is after our youth. That's our hope, if you will. You understand what I mean? If this nation is going to turn, it's going to be a youth that rises up and serves God. And He's after our youth and He's infiltrated the schools and we know all the rest, but he, He's after our youth. Pray for them. He's after our teachers. He's after our deacons. He wants our press to stop rolling. He's after our academy. He's after our bus routes. He's after our music. And I guess I could have just said, He's after all of our ministries. Pray. Pray. Are you remembering those in leadership? Are you praying for your pastor? In addition addition to praying for your pastor, you can remember your pastor by taking care of him. I know people don't like to talk about it, but this means you pay your pastor. (laughs) Uh, I know people don't like to talk about money, but uh, listen, I have no complaints here. Y'all treat me very well. But don't begrudge this area either. Um, This is an area of remembrance, and it's God's way. It's not our way. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.14, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And if you read the context there, what that means is, if somebody preaches the gospel to you, then they ought to live off of those who come to hear it. They should give. And then you live off of that. Now, don't have a bad attitude about this. It's God's plan, not man's. Um, And it was the hardest thing, I think, for Adrian and I when we transitioned was to receive. God was very good to us, and, and I was able to transition into a position where I was 
I, mean, I felt like I was making good money. I don't know what it would be for you, but listen, I was making six figures, and uh, God was good. I could buy what I wanted to do. I could do what I wanted to do, and we were able to give, 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 and then all of a sudden we got out. Boom, we lost a lot of money a year, and uh, now people are giving to us, and that was so strange. And God had to show me, no, this is my way. This is my way. And so we just have to uh, give ourselves to that. And so as I was studying um, staff pay about two years ago, I, I discovered just how many people feel pastors should never be paid. It really shocked me. In fact, I went out on the trampoline and I wept and I, I thanked God for you. And those who make such statements have never been a pastor, nor have they studied their Bible. You can also remember your pastor by backing him and defending him as necessary. If you hear someone complain about your pastor, you should lovingly and sweetly confront them. And listen, I don't just sit around the house going, I wonder what the best way would be to get people mad at me this week. I got it. I know how I can make the singers mad at me. I'm going to develop a music standard that everybody hates. That'll get them fired up. I hate drama. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Maybe a decision is made and you don't like it. Would you pause and just remember your pastor? Remember that I have to give an account. Amen. And then consider, you may not have all nation. You can remember your pastor by being thankful for him. Remember that I study hard to feed you. Now, you may not can tell that, but that's because I'm not that bright. And I do have to study hard in order to get these things together. My SAT scores are forever sealed. <laughs> Amen. Those are not being released. But I got credit for putting my name in. I could feel the bubbles. Remember the counsel which is given. Remember the prayers which are offered up on your behalf. And so I ask again, are you remembering your pastor? Are you praying for him and his family? Are you taking care of him and his family? Are you being supportive of him? Are you defending him? Um, are you thankful for him? And so like I said, there's a lot to that word, remember. We'll have to leave it there for now and move on. Uh, number two, verse seven says, whose faith follow. I mentioned last week that this means to imitate or to mimic. And at some point, your faith has to move beyond just an academic faith Amen. into an active faith. You can fill in all the blanks in your discipleship book, right? You, you, can, you can take all the courses, but when do you truly become a disciple? It's when you begin to mimic the Lord Jesus Christ and follow those who are following Christ. That's when you become a disciple. I remember when I learned to water ski. Anybody in here water ski before? I know we're in South Dakota. I don't know if that's a popular thing up here, Breck, but, you know, in the South it is because it's so hot. And we would go up to Hiawassee, and uh, I remember, I think, I asked my dad today, I couldn't remember her name, which I'm really sad about. Uh, my mom says she thought it was Mary Jo, and I think she was in the, the Bowling Hall of Fame even, and her husband ran an azalea shop, worked there. But anyway, she would take us up to Hiawassee, and, and she was teaching me how to water ski after we trolled the lake all morning for bass. And I remember she told me, okay, this is how you position your skis in the water. This is how you uh, position your body. You want to hold on to the rope a certain way. And, and then when I gun it, you're going to do this. And, and this is how you water ski. I was an athletic guy, and I thought, I got this. 
okay, I got the instructions. I know what to do. But Mary Joe hit the throttle. It didn't turn out like I thought it would. All of a sudden, I flipped over the skis. The skis are behind me. They pop off. I'm hanging onto the rope. I can see a wake of water going over my head. But there was one thing I did right. I held onto that rope. And she drugged me all over that lake. Amen. Knowing what you're supposed to do and actually doing it are two different things. I can watch a YouTube video and think, I can fix the water heater. Two-hour call later to Brother Alstrom. I watched the video. I did what he said. And I did forget one step, and water comes pouring out, and Adrian comes running down, and I'm trying to shove that new element in there. And meanwhile, there's about 30 gallons on the floor, but... Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, seeing it, uh, one thing, doing it is another. Whose faith follow? You know, the, the children of Israel didn't want to go in and take the land, the land that God had for them. But Caleb, he stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Whoop, look at that faith. Imagine if they would have followed his faith. But they didn't, and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation passed off the scene, and only Caleb and Joshua got to go in. So you can learn about faith, you can observe faith in others all you want, but until you put it into practice, you aren't actually exercising faith. Whose faith follow? See my faith and imitate it. Now please understand, I'm not the standard bearer, I understand that, Christ ultimately is. But I believe what this is teaching us is that when I challenge you to greater faith and demonstrate it, then you ought to do the same thing. It should be your desire to do likewise. So I believe this can also be applied when I cast a vision of faith. uh, You should rally behind it. I pitched the idea. We need a new facility so that we can reach more people. That we can grow. Mimic that faith. Whose faith? Follow. Catch the vision and let's head in the same direction together. Preacher, how are we going to do it with no money? I don't know, but God does. In the meantime, let's go in the same direction and follow that faith. We need to reach Rapid City. we got to saturate Rapid City. How are we going to reach all these people? We're going to catch the vision. We're all going to get involved. We're going to get busy. Whose faith follow? I don't want to just come up with ideas because that's what I need to do. But I want people to get behind those things Put these banners on the wall and say, let's get our doctrine saturated in this city. Number three, verse seven says, considering the end of their conversation. So what this means is you've got to look upon, you have to behold, you have to study it very closely. You have to consider where it is they're heading. When you begin to follow someone, you better consider the end of their conversation. Conversation is their way of life. And that goes for everything in life. When you pick up that bottle, you better consider the end of the drunk. When you pick up a pack of cigarettes, you better consider the end. Come on now. Say, well, the Bible says I can't smoke. I know, but do you want emphysema? I'm not being ugly to those who smoke. I mean, you know. But you've got to consider the end of the conversation. And so the same is true spiritually. And and when we, we think about considering the end of the conversation of those who have the rule over you, those who are exercising their faith, um, you need to consider where it is they're heading. Now, this verse refers to the living and those who have gone before us if you wanted to get really into the weeds of the, of the Greek. 
Now, those who have followed Christ and those who are following Christ is what this is talking about. And in context, I believe what you ought to do here is you ought to go back and consider the whole context of the book of Hebrews. And that is that Christ is better than all else. Amen. He's the answer. He's the one we, we follow. We consider Christ. But we understand God uses people as well. We then go to Hebrews 11. And we look at all these people that lived by faith and they followed God until the end. And the Bible says that they died in faith and they all obtained a good report through faith. And I want to tell you, you're never going to die by faith if you don't live by faith. And if you're going to consider the end of their conversation, then you're going to have to know your Bible. Study to show yourself approved unto God. So you know what this is saying? Don't turn from the old paths. Don't do it. Don't, don't pick up the new way. Don't follow the multitude do, to do evil. Stay with what God says. Stay with what has worked through the generations. Stay with God's principles because they don't change. You see, we don't need to change anything today. Now, I'm not going to get on a preaching rant there, but you know all the, the lines. The Bible says in Jeremiah 6.16, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. This charge in verse 7 is also given to consider the living leaders who are among us. Observe your pastor's life. Observe leaders' lives. Consider the end of the direction that they're heading in. Observe their family. Is their family unit echoing biblical principles? Are their children in subjection with all gravity? Not are they perfect. But can you see principles of God's Word within this family unit? Is your pastor heading towards hearing, Well done, thou good and faithful servant? Is your youth leader a man who's living righteously? Are your leaders' lives substantiating Bible doctrine? That's the key. Can you look at their lives and you can say, you know what? I see Proverbs in them. Or whatever. I see this principle in them. Consider that, the Bible says. That's a heavy responsibility, amen? Consider them. Now, we don't mimic their personalities. Amen? You don't have to comb your hair the way Ken combs his. That's not what it means to mimic, to follow. But what it does mean, we're not looking to be this personality, but when we are doing everything biblically here, it's okay to look at leadership. And you can pick just anybody in the church that's living right. It's okay to, to look at those and consider it and say, that's what I want for my life too. Amen. Considering the end of their conversation. So if you see something, that's what I want from my life too. You know what the Bible says? Mimic it. Number four, verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you. Uh Uh-oh. Now, when we read that, man, we just kind of shift around in our pews a little bit. Amen. You're telling me I got to listen, preacher. I was on board when you said uh, to pray for you. And listen, I can even consider the path you're on. I can follow your faith. But uh, you want me to get on board with obeying you? Well, hang on. Before you get bent out of shape, uh, I, I think it might be best to tell you what this does not teach. Amen. Let's start with that. This is not blind obedience. That's right. 
your life is not accountable to me. You will give an account to God, not to me. I'm not here to rule over your life, nor am I interested in doing so. I'm not your Holy Spirit. You're answerable to God alone. I'm not here to tell you what major purchases to make. I'm not here to tell you what color car you ought to drive. I'm not here to give you permission to change jobs. I'm not going to tell you who you ought to marry by name. And and I'm not here to tell you where to live. I'll never look at your wife and say she's to obey me over her husband. Husbands, you're the priest of your home. You run your home, not me. I got enough trouble with one wife. I don't need to try to lead yours too. Just kidding. Big A is awesome. If we go down those paths, it'll quickly become cultish. And it'll ruin this, it'll, it'll ruin this church. I could say it'll ruin yuns. But only about three of you know what it is. Yeah. And what it does is it leads to abusive leadership where leaders now exploit their authority and become who God should be in your life. I'll gladly give you biblical counsel, but you're accountable to God. There's got to be a personal accountability for the will of God in every individual's life. I'm not here to control your life. Are we good so far? All right, with that out of the way, what does it mean when it says obey them that have the rule over you? Well, this verse is saying to obey the rulers. What are the rulers doing in verse 7? They are speaking unto them the word of God. So what authority do I have for which you are to obey? Is it not the word of God? Is it not the word of God? Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Jesus charges us to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Jesus says, if you're going to teach them, you teach them what I said. The only authority given which we are to teach from is what is in God's book. It is God's book. That's that's my authority. And then it's your responsibility to obey them that have the rule over you as they teach you the Word of God. So while... I will not tell you who to marry. If you're marrying a non-believer, I have every biblical authority to say, that's unwise, don't do that. And then you can do with it as you see fit. (laughs) You can go down that path of uh, of disaster if you want and, and reject God's Word. You can live with those consequences. This is why it's imperative that you be a people of the book. So that you'll know whether or not what is coming forth from this pulpit is truth or whether it's an uncertain sound. A shepherd, he has a staff and at the the top end of that staff is a crook. And that crook is used to grab a sheep when it's going astray. And it's the crook of God's Word being preached to you, which is supposed to cause you to obey. Not my commands or opinions. 
Really, this idea of obeying them that have the rule over you, it's not some difficult thing. Because ultimately, you're obeying God as the man of God gives you the Word of God. Therefore, you can obey your leaders by humbly following biblical truth. Now, if you'll study this Greek word for obey, you'll find that it means to be persuaded, that you agree with, that you have confidence in, and that you trust in. Trust in what? God's Word. Obey them as they speak unto you the Word of God. Obey them that have the rule over you. You ought to be a people who are sensible enough to read the Word of God and understand it to the point to say, I am persuaded that this is the Word of God. I believe it's true. I can have confidence in it. Therefore, when the pastor gets up and teaches the Word of God, I ought to obey that. So are you obeying them that have the rule over you by obeying God's Word? Or are you straying out of the way and resisting the crook of God's Word? That wasn't too bad, was it? Amen. We're still friends. You may not like me after the next one. This is the only uncomfortable one, I think, in the list. It's the last one, number five. Verse 17 goes on to say next, and submit yourselves. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a fun word? Submit. You know what this means? It means that you are, it means you are bringing yourself under the authority of another. It is a willing act. It is not me beating you into submission. You can make any child obey, but you won't have their heart necessarily. This is a willing act on your part to say that's the man that God has put in authority. I'm going to place myself under his authority. So this is willingly yielding to another. I believe this area is the most difficult out of these we're addressing tonight because we all have opinions. We all have ideas. Well, I think this is how we ought to do it. You know, I I used to be over here and this is how they did it and it was a lot better than you're doing it. I'm sure it was. We all have opinions. We all have ideas. We We all have what we think is best. And what we need is a little word that we've forgotten this day called deference. Deference simply means, as soon as I can find it in my notes, yielding to another's decision or judgment out of respect for that person's position of authority. Let me read that again because I had to find it. Deference is yielding to another's decision or judgment out of respect for that person's position or authority. Children ought to learn to do that. I'm going to yield to your judgment because you're over me. I've mentioned this before, but since I have only one life to draw from, you have to hear my same examples over and over. When Adrian and I left Korea and we arrived in Mississippi, we were new to the Independent Baptist Church. We both were raised Southern Baptist. We didn't have the same standards. And I kept hearing this word standard. I heard it enough times that I went to Pastor Decker and said, what do you mean by standards? 
he lovingly shared with us what that meant. At the end of that conversation, I looked at him and said something to this effect. I don't know that I understand it all yet. And honestly, I don't know that I agree with it. But as long as we are members in this church, we will follow it. Amen. That's submitting to those who have the rule over you. See, I don't like the standard. And now as pastor, I can, re- I can just imagine how he did not want to have that conversation. Because issues, or issues will arrive when you start talking about standards. And what we see is people actually will leave a good church because they don't want to submit to pastoral authority. Who's he to tell me what to do? I haven't come to any of y'all's houses and told you this is how you ought to dress. Nor am I going to. But I have a responsibility to protect this. I'm talking about areas where the Bible isn't black and white about it. But you may disagree with the way I have handled it. Well, if you don't have Bible to refute it, then just learn to submit. Maybe you don't like that I display the announcements on the screen before church. We're starting easy, amen. Is it unbiblical? Just submit to it. People have left churches over this kind of thing. Well, I don't like your Silver State Youth Camp letter you send out every year with all those rules. Is there something unbiblical with it? Submit to it. Well, I don't like that you want men to wear a tie when they're up here leading music or preaching. I don't want to wear a tie either. But is there something unbiblical with it? Then submit to it. Look, just pretend I'm like a guest preacher. Amen. We all amen when they're up here. Now, let me get a little controversial and say this. And God help me. If you are unwilling to submit to your leadership, then you are not in submission to God. So, well, how can you say that? Well, God says so. Just as a husband needs to submit to the Lord's command to lead, and as a wife needs to submit to His authority and follow His leadership. So a congregation is to submit to the pastor as he is submitting to the command to lead. Why? Why is this so important? Because God says, I want everything to be done decently and in order. You understand, submission is key for harmony. Ask any parent, and they'll tell you. I'm probably getting ahead of my notes there, but just in case it's not in my notes. You let a child get sideways with a parent, not obey and not submit. What happens in the home? It gets tense. It's uncomfortable, and sometimes there's yelling and stuff that shouldn't happen, but it's just not a fun time. The same is true in the church house. Now, how can I say if you're not in submission to your, your pastor, you're not in submission to God? I'm going to make an application here. You can agree or disagree. But 1 John 4.20 says, For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Now let's apply that to submission. If you can't leadership, you can see. How are you submitting to God you can't see? And I realize you're not always going to agree with everything. I'm sure there were things I didn't agree with Pastor Williams on. 
I submitted to it. I realized this church was too good to leave over something ridiculous. We do very well with this, really. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. I mean, we yanked the pews out of here. We went to chairs because we had to. Nobody made a fuss. I think everybody's fine. We're remodeling back here. Nobody said, boy, that looks stupid. You ought to put polka dots on it. Uh, I mean, we're doing pretty good. So listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking anything, but I, I know how hearts are. And I know things creep up, and I know Satan works, and he plants seeds, and he plants thoughts. And he gets you to think, well, I, I just don't like that decision. But we have to follow the biblical model. And listen, all of this is within the boundaries of, am I violating Scripture? If I'm violating Scripture, I'm wrong. And you ought to be able to come to me and say, this is why you're wrong. Now in closing, I want you to quickly notice in verse 7, that as members of this church, you have the ability to make your leaders joyful or make them grieve. Listen to what it says here. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. Here's where my notes are about children and parents. When there's disobedience in the home, there's tension, there's strife, there's disunity. And it's just no fun. Nothing has broken my heart more as a pastor than watching those who have refused biblical teaching and then watch as they stumble and fall. Doesn't it hurt? And you watch as they walk away from a good church. What does it say at the end of verse 17? For that is unprofitable for you. It's not good when you disobey God's Word. It not only means you're heading for judgment when you turn away from God, but I can tell you it grieves me as your pastor. I have spent time staining these altars with tears when nobody else is in here with those who have left over the silliest things. And it's because we are rebellious will not submit. And I'm going to get just as close as I can to the very edge of that standard just to get under your skin. I would hope your desire is to make this pastorate enjoyable and not a grief. Now, really quick here, verse 24. I know I said we're done at the last one, but verse 24. Salute all them that have the rule over you. To salute means to embrace. It means to be welcoming. You know what it literally means? It means to wrap your arms around. But don't worry, I'm good. (laughs) I don't need your whiskers up on my face. Amen. (laughs) I'm not greeting you with a holy kiss. I won't embarrass anybody, but I was so blessed this morning to be embraced by a young man. And it shocked me. I was just, I was shocked. Thank you for, thank you for that. In tears. Salute, salute those that have the rule over you. Embrace them. I believe you can do this by accepting, being accepting of God's call upon your pastor's life and purpose to make his calling a joy.
there are some people that are absolutely miserable in the ministry. Well, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I know. But do you know what a battle it is when you've just got cantankerous church members? Make it a joy. You can do so by remembering, following, considering, obeying, and submitting to His leadership in the church. Let's pray.